You're going to listen to a check-in interview with the world's leading researcher and practitioner when it comes to nutrient density and food. The co-founder of the largest certification body in the world focused on quality of food. Objective, measurable, outcome-based, which is doing over 3 billion a year. Mostly animal protein. Is this egg good for you or could it cause inflammation? And recently they went to do veggies. So very interesting to learn more about that. There's no better person to talk to in this series on nutrient density, on the latest science, consumer interest, and how to build a movement around this crucial topic. Enjoy. What are the connections between healthy farming practices, healthy soil, healthy produce, healthy gut, and healthy people? Welcome to a special series where we go deep into the relationship between regenerative agriculture practices that build soil health and the nutritional quality of the food we end up eating. We unpack the current state of science, the role of investments, businesses, nonprofits, entrepreneurs, and more. This series is supported by the A-Team Foundation, who support food and land projects that are ecologically, economically, and socially conscious. They contribute to a wider movement that envisions a future where real food is produced by enlightened agriculture and access to it is equal. The A-Team Foundation are looking to make more investments and grants in the space of bionutrients. You can find more here, ateamfoundation.org, or get in touch directly, info at ateamfoundation.org, or check the information in the show notes below. Welcome to another episode. Today, we welcome back on the show, Pierre Wiel, the president of the Bleu Blancur Association. We had back here in October 2020, and let's say on the nutrient in general, but on the, in, in the world, there was still fooling COVID, um, but also in the nutrient side of things, the nutrient density, a lot has happened. So I'm extremely happy to have him back to check in. Um, of course, I will link below the interview we did before and a great interview he did with Dan Kittredge. Uh, just to, if you want to have more background, more general background, but I'm very happy to have you back here and to check in what has happened uh, in the world of nutrient density in Bleu Blancur and in general. Welcome back, Pierre. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, welcome. <laughs> happy to be here. And I remember, I mean, for many non-French speakers, uh, Bleu Blancur or not living in a French speaking country, let's say, <laughs> you're not very famous, unfortunately. Um, but you're one of the biggest certification bodies, I think, in the world that specifically looks at quality and how, uh, in many cases, animal protein uh, has been raised. And specifically, that was triggered, and I won't repeat the whole interview we did before, uh, with a lot of soy import in, in France that started 20, 30 years yeah. ago. And, and now you have made a big step. So I think we, we start unpacking immediately and dive into the veggie side of things. So no longer only animal protein, but you're looking at at vegetables as well. H how come? Why make your life more difficult? Well, I think last time I probably said something like uh, we did an easy proof of concept on the animal side of the of the food chain because we we did all these trials uh, in these 20, 30 years, uh, making the proof that the, the way you feed the animal has an impact of the health of, uh, of human beings. So of course you, you you think you can make the same things on the vegetal side, the way the carrots, the tomatoes, or the the wheat is fed, uh, will have an impact on the nutrient density of the uh, of the grain, of the fruits, of the leaves, etc., and will have an impact of the uh, on the health of the human being in the same way. But it's so we, 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 we do it, we, we do trials on it, we do research on it for a couple of years. It's quite difficult, but we, we start uh, 
we start looking at things that will be, I think, really important in, in the future. Because what makes it, I mean, it's, it's almost interesting to see that the animal protein side um, is easier or, or quote unquote easier. Of course, you, you spent a, a few decades on, on it, but then where sort of the soil is one step away because the animal is absorbing it and eating it. And in this case, when we go straight for the carrot or straight for the, the veggie, it, it's more tricky. What, what, why is that? Is it, is it, we're not used yet. We have to spend a few decades on it or is it like by definition more tricky? No, by definition, it's more tricky because the, a plant is fed by the sun first. After uh, she took the energy from the sun, uh, she put energy in the soil and all the microbiology of the soil uh, using this energy provides uh, nutrients to the, to the plant. And then the nutrient density of the plant is related to the chlorophyllic uh, synthesis, the, the way the plant uh, catch uh, energy from the sun, gives to, to, to the soil and then from the quality of the soil. And a lot of things happen in the soil. It's quite more complicated than uh, to feed cows with, uh, for instance, grass uh, compared to corn, to compare to the way a tomato is fed in uh, this kind of soil compared to another kind of soil. It's, uh, it's more, um, more tricky. So we did a lot of trials to see what, what is the difference. First, what we have to check, what we have to measure, what is nutrient density of a vegetables, what is nutrient density of a fruit, of a grain, etc. And this is, this was probably the first step. Like uh, 20 or 25 years ago, we said, okay, let's go on the animal side. We'll go on the inflammatory, anti-inflammatory process, which is very related to the omega-6, omega-3 ratio uh, in the fat, because animal fat are the main fat in the Western diet because the composition of the animal fat in omega-6 and omega-3 is related to the quality of the feed, uh, we started the process. So the first step on the vegetal side, we say, okay, what is... Find the equivalent. Yeah, what's the omega-3-6 <laughs> ratio of, of a so, carrot? Well, a car equivalent, carrot, yeah. tomato, oh, wow. grain, it's, uh, let's say, roughly, it's the oxidant, uh, antioxidant uh, value of the, of the vegetals. The, in all, in, in, in all the nutritional advice, I say we have to eat more, um, more legumes, for instance, more, um, uh, more, I say in English, more pulses, pulses, I think, because it's mm -hmm. very rich in, uh, in antioxidant. So the first, uh, the first part of the work, we did it with uh, Dan Kittredge and the Bionutrient Association in the US in the lab was to check what is the, the level of antioxidant and polyphenols uh, in different uh, pulses, in different uh, vegetables. Uh, and we found, uh, we had, a, we, we put the, the technology of a Dan here in France with a lab and we analyzed the tomato, carrot, etc. And we found huge difference from one to 50, for instance, for the, wow. yeah, uh, I said, because because the, the lab wasn't functioning, or because there were these <laughs> no, differences the lab in yes, one to fifty is massive. Yes, it's massive. So of of course it depends of the of the genetic. It depends of the the season. It depends of the soil. It depends of a lot lot of things. That's just to, when you say eat eat carrot because it's very rich in beta carotene. That's true. But the the quantity of beta carotene is from one to twenty. And then in the US, he has the same results. 
this was the first uh, first step say okay and did you find any connection to the soil like is there like what or did you find any sorry any well, potential explanation of these differences so this, this is the second step to find first to to say okay we measured big variation massive variation and the second is to to understand why so to understand why there is of course connection with the the yield if you have a very big yield you will have lower nutrient density uh, it's connected with the uh, with, with the genetic with the variety and it's connected with the soil uh, and especially with the organic matter of the soil if you have you i don't know you probably have heard of uh, john kemp the us agronomist and the john kemp triangle uh, say okay the, first you have a uh, Sugars, sugars is made by the sun. You don't need soil to produce sugar if you are, if you are a plant. After you have protein with the sugar, with energy, uh, sugar from the sun, and with the genetic, you can synthesize the protein quite easily. Then comes the lipids and the, the small nutrients like antioxidants, vitamin, etc. And this is impossible to synthesize without the micro without the help of the microbiology of the soil so of course there is, there is big impact and we, we checked for instance the the difference between um, two tomatoes the same variety and the same day <laughs> they were implanted the wow. same day the same age one was produced in the same place in uh, without without soil like most of the tomatoes today <laughs> uh, in, uh, in glass glass house you say in a greenhouse greenhouse then yeah. the, the second was also in greenhouse in the same place same variety etc uh, but in the living soil with a soil with a lot of uh, um, of life with uh, they put uh, yeah. wood they put uh, you call it lombric lombric is the little mm -hmm. uh, uh, snails yeah etc yeah. etc et and we and we had a difference in uh, antioxidant with different tests uh, about uh, 40 to 50 percent for some vitamins. Sorry, 40, 4050, right? Not 1415. Yeah, 4050 wow. uh, for wow. vitamin C. Uh, we had more, I think it's, I don't remember. For the total antioxidant, it was from 3030 to 4040, depending on the test. Wow. And for the vitamin C, it was 50. Uh, five zero percent more. Uh, so, th but this is a, a an easy test. First uh, results, of course. It, yeah, no, easy test, but still, it, it shows. And I will link below because we had John on the podcast before, but also John had a great talk at some point with Dan Kittridge yeah. as well to explain that pyramid. Like it's easy, the first few levels you can get without soil, but then when you get to the complexer yeah. things that we also need but we barely understand, then you need living yeah. soil. But after, if you compare two 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 soils, not one tomato without soil, uh, other, it's more <laughs> more difficult. But we we had some interesting results with uh, leaves with salads uh, like like that. If you compare, so we had more. Uh, I don't remember the, the data exactly, but significantly more uh, antioxidant value uh, if in the same soil with the same variety, same season, etc. But if you compare uh, organic fertilizer to 
um, synthetic uh, fertilizer, uh, nitrogen. Uh, so you, we understand, like in the John Kemp <laughs> triangle, if you provide uh, uh, a lot of nitrogen at the same time, uh, the plant will use it to to make growth, to make uh, leaves, etc. Uh, but if you provide the nitrogen in an organic fertilizer with manure or thing like that, uh, then you will use it slowly and you will be able to to synthesize more um, more antioxidants, more small nutrients, uh, and you will need a lot of cofactors that comes not only from nitrogen but also from uh, from the microbiology of the soil. So we we discuss a lot with uh, Dan and. Uh, uh, Dan Kittredge and uh, he, we have the same goal. The same goal is to not to say this is good, this is not good, <laughs> but to say, okay, a tomato is supposed to have a lot of uh, antioxidant of uh, lycopene. A, a carrot is supposed to have a lot of beta carotene. So our goal is to say, like we do in uh, in milk, for instance, we say uh, a milk without omega three. It's uh, like an orange without vitamin C. <laughs> it's uh, it's milk, but it's milk from a cow that, that it was fed only with corn and soybean. And if this cow, the same cow, eat grass, you'll have omega three in the milk. So if uh, if a tomato is grown in the uh, in the living soil, she will have a, less, a certain level of uh, vitamin and of antioxidant. And this uh, oxidant antioxidant ratio is very connected to the inflammatory anti-inflammatory ratio for the animal side so we will we continue so now we want to develop more data um, more data more on the uh, with the current uh, analysis which are qu quite expensive <laughs> and we want to use uh, uh, some new technologies or, or some old technology like spectrophotometry but uh, to be able to give a, a quick view, a quick analysis of the of the value, and like in the animal side, we say we we think that once the the farmer, the producer, know the goal, he said, okay, I, I want this level of vitamin C or this level of antioxidant, he will be able to produce it. He will use uh, his own uh, way of uh, uh, of making the soil uh, more. Uh, uh, with more life, I don't know how you say, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's a good, uh, good objective. Uh, and it doesn't mean like with with Bleu Blanqueur, because you have been certifying on omega three and six and certain specific ratios on animal protein, and and a lot. Like just to give a bit of background, this is a you, you certify a few billion euros a year uh, in terms of uh, animal protein in France, Belgium, I think Italy partly as well. And so this is not a, a, a tiny label. You you do a massive amount of uh, pork meat, for instance, um, eggs in France, milk and, and other things. Is it in the plans that vegetables will follow? Is that the, the goal to do a similar program? Yeah, of course, with, we have with... already uh, uh, vegetables on the market with the Bleu Blanqueur brand. Uh, it's quite... Which means you decided what's a good ratio. Like this is good enough to be... Yeah, it's a... To be, to, be, to have the step. So we go step by step. First are spinach. <laughs> spinach with <laughs> a level of vitamin D. Why spinach at first? <laughs> Sorry? Because it's easy. Why spinach first? Why spinach? I don't know. Why spinach? It's the, the kind of spinach that is eaten by Popeye with a lot of iron. <laughs> <laughs> the iron, yeah. No, it's not iron. It's vitamin B, I think. B, B9, something like that. Uh, 
So we have spinach, we have salad, we'll probably have tomato in, a, in a very soon. Uh, and we say, okay, that's the level. And for this, the obligation of results is a level of antioxidant. And the obligation of means, uh, you can be organic or you can be uh, other things. Like in France, we call it pour une agriculture du vivant. That's agriculture for living soil or high value or for environment, etc. We don't push for obligation of, of means. We, we need a, a minimum, but we have an obligation of results. And uh, so we have uh, at the moment uh, uh, the first vegetables, and we we think we'll have more in the in the future. But we have to go step by step, and to implement uh, first uh, scientific studies, and also uh, our own uh, development to to have the tools for the measures because it's uh, it's different, it's difficult. So the, the the first step was probably the the more important to say, okay, what is important? It's uh, probably this oxidant antioxidant uh, value. Uh, after we'll have to make uh, a clinical trials uh, or, or because at, at the moment nobody did it. Only very, very few in the literature when comparing, uh, for instance, uh, organic tomatoes to conventional tomatoes, they can find differences in the in the composition with more uh, antioxidant in the in the organic tomato. But uh, when you eat this, when you give this tomato to to volunteers, you don't find difference in the in the blood. So it's uh, uh, it's disappointing. So we'll have to to organize it, to do it, and to prove. Uh, okay, if you eat this tomato, uh, oh, in, in a perfect world, if you eat a blood blocker meal with <laughs> with uh, blood blocker meat, uh, blood blocker uh, cheese, and blood blocker salad and tomato, it will be better for you. So <laughs> we have to prove it. We we can. Yeah, because that's what you've shown. Yeah. yeah, that's what you've shown. Like with this obligation of outcome, but also a lot of clinical trials mm. in uh, over the last decades that the the difference um, with with consuming uh, at least on the animal protein side are are quite strong like you could see it in your blood quite quickly you could see it in uh, if you're breastfeeding quite quickly you can see the differences in terms of inflammatory disease etc and so now you're you're uh, going out into the the vegetable and, and non-animal protein world to do the same because that hasn't been done i think there's no. very few studies i mean we've interviewed stefan van fleet who's doing a study in in the us but i think there are very few randomized control because it's difficult of course to it's, to, it's very tricky but it's so it's needed. difficult and to to prove you have a, a difference if you do it only with tomato for instance it's quite difficult yeah. and our goal is to to do it with two different meals with all the all the stuff provided by the local agriculture or conventional agriculture and then the vegetal side is very important too but uh, that's the difference between the it's very difficult to, to make proof with uh, on the animal side we, all our clinical trials uh, except two were done only with dairy products dairy products is very important because it's about uh, one third of the total fat that is eaten in, uh, in, in west in, in, at least in france but in of all the fat including vegetal uh, fat but all the other clinical trials were done with uh, uh, with eggs plus uh, dairy cats plus dairy plus uh, 
cold cuts, etc. So you push meat. So you, when you approach uh, global meat with vegetal and animals, I think it will be easier to to measure a difference. So, so why is dairy such a a fundamental focus, or has it been until now? Well, d- dairy fat is about one third of the total fat uh, eaten by uh, an average French consumer. Uh, that's first first answer. And the second, the composition of dairy fat is ve- very, very uh, complex. You have um, something like 400 different uh, fatty acids and all of them change a lot. So the consequences, even a small fatty acid like uh, conjugated fatty acid or omega-6 or omega-3 fatty acid from dairy fat have a huge impact on, the, on human health. So dairy fat, we did uh, two trials that were dedicated to impact of changes in dairy fat. But the main objective of our clinical trial was to have the impact of a complete meal. Uh, and it's more difficult to have the specific impact of egg or tomato or bread, etc. So we, our final goal is to have the impact of a, of a global meat, of a global meal, sorry. And, and what do you think of, I have to ask, of all the, the dairy alternatives? What, what's, has that entered your, your research in somehow? Or because, of course, over the last 20 years, like, let's say a lot has, has changed in the alternative dairy space. What do you see and think there? Well, that's a, that's a main concern for us, the, not only for dairy, but for all the animal sectors, that there is a big environmental pressure to, to decrease the consumption of animal products. And uh, it's true, <laughs> it's true that to produce uh, one calorie or one gram of protein of uh, animal, it's it costs more in terms of uh, environmental cost than uh, one gram of uh, vegetal protein. Uh, but we 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 participate to study uh, in 2014. It's a long time ago to see okay what is the good. Uh, the, the good balance between environment and nutrition. From a nutritional side, there is absolutely no no comp- no possible comparison between uh, soy milk, for instance, and uh, cow's milk. Uh, I said in, in cow's milk you have 400 different fatty acids. In soy milk you have uh, uh, maybe 10 uh, different fatty acids, uh, and the variety is the the basis for health. But you can, uh, you can just like a small the... sentence you mentioned, like variety is the basis for health. I think that's probably should be, should, should base all dietary advice on. But okay, sorry, continue. Sorry, yeah, for interruption. Yeah. not only for men, same yeah. for the soil and for the animals. Variety is the basis for health. And uh, so we, I think we, we need animal protein, not for protein, but for all the other nutrients which are related to, to animals which means uh, some uh, long-chain fatty, uh, omega-3 fatty acid, uh, some vitamins, B12, uh, D, D3, etc. But it's, uh, it's stupid to eat more animal protein with less nutrient density. So today in France, we have, uh, I think it's 63% of the protein, animal protein. We can decrease till uh, 50-50, 50%. Uh, without any nutritional problem. So we can decrease. But if we have a higher density value, a higher nutritional density value, at at the moment it's just a model, but it's an interesting model. 
we can decrease to 40% because we'll have more B, B12 because uh, cows have good uh, rumination, because we have more D3 because cows goes outside uh, with the sun and synthesizes vitamins. They will have more omega-3 because they, they are in pastures, they eat grass, etc. So we, we have this idea to, to say we, we can decrease the, we, we must decrease the animal uh, product consumption because of the environment, but we, we can decrease, we must decrease and we can decrease because we can have a higher nutrient density value. So nutrient density value for animal and for vegetable is really the basis for for change, the agroecological change we all hope. It's uh, if the consumer understands, he can buy a little more because it's good for his health. Uh, and if this premium is given to the farmer to change the practices, uh, we can say that n nutritional density for both animal and vegetable is the key for, for the change. And we, we need this change in quantity and in quality. And do you feel like the discussion on this has changed in the last, let's say, year and a half or year and a few months, like since we talked, like we were, let's say in autumn of 2020, we talked, like, has it uh, changed? I mean, we're doing a full series on it, but of course we're not, uh, we're not the world media, etc. It feels like there is more discussion or there is more conversation on quality and not necessarily quantity, but is that just my bubble? Do you feel that as well in the scientific world and the consumer world? What, what is your, your feeling of the temperature, let's say, of the room? Well, maybe I'm not the good person because I'm so involved that uh, I think all the discussion I have in, in my world, <laughs> my small world, I think that the quality, uh, the environmental and the nutritional quality of the food is is more and more important. But uh, it's it's my small world. I don't know. <laughs> has, has your small world increased? And in, like, do you see new people entering your small world compared to to five or ten years ago? <laughs> I, I think so. I, when I discussed 20 years ago, 10 years ago with the people of the, uh, on the dairy side, and I said uh, it's very important to, to decrease the, the methane, the greenhouse gas emission from the cows, I said, oh, yeah, don't tell that. Nobody knows that cows uh, uh, have a responsibility in the greenhouse gas. Nobody knows what is methane, etc. Now they know, and now they understand that they have to do things to, 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 to improve things. But even 10 years ago, the, the big people in the file, uh, in the industry, in the dairy industry say, no, no, don't say that. <laughs> it's not, it's not our problem. Now they know it's their problem. So they have to change. And of course, they have more interest to, to change. Do you see that methane? issue is that connected i mean we've seen i think some signs of that to also the feed of the cow the health of the cow like healthy cows and healthy pasture have less is that something you've i mean we all want that of course but is it something you've also seen well we, the, the first paper we, we published in the scientific press about uh, methane emission and quality of the feed from the cows was in 2003 so uh, uh, we, we had a patent on the, not, not the way of feeding the cow, but the way of measuring the, the quantity of methane uh, from the, the fatty acid analysis in the milk. But and if it has been since then, why 20 years later are we still 
saying like basically all cows are the same and all milk is the same all animal protein is the same methane is this and we see this beautiful but very wrong let's say stats of our world in data that i see constantly floating around everywhere is that just ignorance or, or just not wanting to to go into the science no i, I think it's related with the discussion we had before uh, i'm not very proud because <laughs> we we knew how to do uh, 15 years ago the recognition by the United Nations yeah, uh, yeah, framework for for climate change of our method was in 2012. What have we done since uh, 2012? Not a lot of things, but uh, during uh, during years and years, the people from the dairy industry said, uh, uh, as I said before, they were not concerned. They were not involved in the improvement of the environmental quality or it was typical for uh, a, a typical example of greenwashing yes we'll do it but they didn't do it but now they have to do it but i'm quite optimistic i think we have the solution uh, not only us but in the scientific uh, side of the of the, of the forum they have a, there are a lot of solutions and uh, now we just have to implement it. <laughs> and I think, again, the, if you only say to a consumer, uh, you have to buy this milk because you the, the cows who produce this milk decrease the methane emission from uh, 20%, I said, okay, you <laughs> will not buy it, only two or three uh, like percent. Me, yeah. of, <laughs> but if you say it, it's better for your health, we'll probably buy it. So f for me, the... Well, I'm not a young man anymore, but <laughs> I'm enthusiastic like a young man sometimes because the, if you can prove, and that's what we've done in this last 20 years, that the, uh, the end point is the human health. And if you improve environment, if you improve uh, uh, soil health, uh, plant health, animal health, it, the consequence will be good for, for me, for you, for the consumer. Uh, I think this is really the, the, the end point because you can change the, the way people buy food and the, the way people uh, eat. Uh, and then you can improve a lot of things. Uh, why we were so concerned about the vegetal side? Because, of course, during these years, we, when you speak of, uh, of climate, you need plants. You need a lot of plants. You need a lot of... Uh, Living roots, yeah. Yeah, you need life in the soil, you need the carbon in the soil, etc. And uh, you have to, if people understand that their health, their life is connected to the life of the soil and the life of the animals, uh, they will probably change. They will not, like, I don't know if it's difficult to translate, but there was a, a, a political... Uh, a guy in France, uh, when I was young, said, uh, I, I asked people to be civic, they, they didn't change. So I started to be cynic. <laughs> and uh, that's something like that. Yeah. yeah, no, no, it's a selfish, partly selfish or, or understanding you're part of a, a bigger system and your life and health depends on that. And, and have you seen, I was discussing that this morning on something different, but on, on the organic sector, which took a bit of a hit, let's say last year, in some countries where, where inflation and prices and especially in the supermarkets, like where you can easily compare one organic brand to non-organic and people were wondering, and, and often with, with extreme energy costs and extreme other costs, um, 
like for the first time, many organic brands didn't grow or, or even lost money and market share. What has been the the last few years like for Bleu Blanqueur? Because there, it seems the the health connection is is a big reason for many to to buy. How is sorry, long long question? How has Bleu Blanqueur been doing for the last let's say two years in these crazy times? No, it's it's still growing. It is even growing very well in some sectors, which and, is fascinating. Uh, in the Bleu Blanqueur is an association. And when all the, the people meet together, it's, it's people, some are farmers, some are consumers, some are retailers. Uh, some are chefs. My, <laughs> my job from, uh, is to, to, to put all the people in the, uh, in the same direction, which is not so easy. And, and one of my big sentences is to say, what we need to have is a minimal, minimal cost for a maximal impact. We can sometimes, we were not, uh, we didn't have a very strong position on the non-GMO, for instance, because non-GMO is a big cost and the impact on environment on health is, uh, is low. I can understand that uh, we, we have to fight the GMO, but uh, it's just an example. Mm-hmm. But for, for me, the nutritional uh, composition of the, of the food is more important. So we, we, we still have, uh, uh, an extra cost of something like 5% uh, for a Bleu Blanqueur product compared to another product. Uh, but uh, it's not so important. So even some re- retailer, for instance, some big retailer in France, all the milk is Bleu Blanqueur, all the eggs are Bleu Blanqueur. After people can choose if it's uh, Bleu Blanqueur organic or Bleu Blanqueur red label or just Bleu Blanqueur. But the basis but, is that. Yeah. yeah. And so the inflation is, is it, it's a problem, but it's not a big problem like on the organic side because the, we manage the, the, the overcost. So do you think it's more that you've been growing because the difference is not so much or in some cases you're just a fool? the full milk uh, shelf is, is anyway Bleu Blanqueur. So that, that doesn't, or has it to do with the interest from the consumer for health uh, has not gone down over the last couple of years? Or if you, I mean, of course you don't know, but what, what does your feeling say? Well, <laughs> I should, I would like to answer it because the consumer wants to, to buy something with more, which is healthier. But I'm not sure I'm honest if I say that. It's because we, we had to convince uh, not only consumer, but the people who put the, the food on the market, which means retailer, brands, etc. And for them, Le Blanqueur, it's a good choice because the, now it's uh, uh, about 64%, I think, of the French consumer know what is Bleu Blanqueur. Well, they recognize the logo. They don't know what it is, but they have a positive view. Even last year in France, I have also, suddenly my view is mainly French, but in in France all the the, the label, organic red label, decrease in terms of uh, of trust from the consumer, uh, but not Bleu Blanqueur. Bleu Blanqueur grew in uh, in interest, uh, so it's uh, uh, it's probably not enough. <laughs> but we started from zero. With, uh, yeah, sixty four uh, in, in twenty yeah. years is a lot. Yeah. yeah. And uh, even if the people don't know exactly what it is, they have a, a positive. We have now 30,000 people uh, in the Bleu Blanqueur Association. Some of them are 
uh, health professionals, some of them are farmers, some of them are just consumers. A lot of them, so, let's say some of them, but important in France are chefs from big restaurants. The uh, Thierry Marx, which is the very famous uh, chef in France, is the now the official guy who talk for um, porte-parole of, of Le Blanqueur. Spokesperson. So it's, it's, uh, so it's important if you go to a restaurant or if you go to your physician and say, uh, oh, Le Blanqueur is good for you. Uh, well, that's important. And uh, of course, you, you need to convince them with uh, data, data for the chef and data for the physician. But uh, it's not the same data, but you, uh, we have the data. Speaking of which, uh, what has been exciting on the data side over the last uh, two years, let's say, what has been interesting or two, two plus years in terms of studies, because you're continuously, of course, doing a lot of different studies. We talked about inflammation, I think last time, of course, in terms of COVID, but also on the, the breastfeeding side, there were some very interesting studies. Uh, what has been, been exciting that's your working order that has come out or that, that you are yeah, excited to share in terms of the, the science? Well, maybe I'm sorry because I don't have the results of the of the trial, but the the trial with the pregnant mother is uh, is finished now. The trial with, with, the, preg with the pregnant uh, mothers uh, that practice uh, breastfeeding. So I, I spoke uh, of these trials two years ago, and uh, now that the trial is finished, and uh, we'll have the results in the in the next weeks or or months. Uh, but the experimental scheme is very interesting because we had two groups of, uh, of mothers that were recruited at a six months visit at the hospital and they received uh, from six months to, 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 to the birth, they receive a Bleu Blanqueur um, product or conventional product, the same meal, same quantity of egg, milk, bread, etc. Only the only the way of production the, uh, the 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 food was different. Uh, it's very small, like in in all our trials, the, the experimental variable was very little. Where you you have the same meal, only the way of producing the the food is different. And we 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 measured three things. First is the the quality, the composition of the milk uh, of the breast milk, of course. Uh, at uh, 21 days and 40 days, so I hope we'll see something. And the second thing is the microbiote of the baby. So we took the, the we took the uh, the feces of the of the, the human baby. treasure, as we call it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the human treasure. Yeah, and we'll check. I don't know what we what we'll see, but uh, uh, what we will check, we will check. Is there something on the microbiote of the baby, which means the future of the baby, related not only to the way uh, her mother uh, ate uh, during the, the pregnancy, but the way the, the cow, the chicken, etc., ate during uh, before the, the pregnancy? And the, the second footprint will be what we call the epigenetic footprint. Uh, now the the science have some uh, interesting things about what they call it predictive medicine. Uh, it's uh, RNA. It's non-invasive. We'll check in the in the two different group of mother in the composition of the milk. If we find these in invasive non-invasive markers, 
of uh, what can happen in the future, called predictive medicine. It's quite complicated. I don't know if we'll see something, if we'll have results. But uh, anyway, to, to check uh, with such a small difference on the way uh, food is produced, to look for differences in the footprints for epigenetic footprint, microbiote footprint, and a biochemical footprint. It's quite interesting, and I'm quite proud to <laughs> to participate to this kind of uh, of trial. Uh, so you have to interview me another time when I have With the results. With great pleasure. Yeah, it's fascinating because I think you've done already some breastfeeding work before, right? Where you have seen effect, but not this this this. Um, explicit yeah. or this deep and and definitely not with double double blind yeah, it's a, it's always the same with uh, with science you do a trial because you want to have a result once you have a result you have a half an answer and, and you need ten, another trial 10 yeah. new questions <laughs> so we, we we did it in a, at a small scale we did it with mothers that have eaten bleu blanqueur uh, only an experimental group and we compare to the uh, the average uh, value of the breast uh, uh, breast milk in uh, in France, and we had uh, huge differences. So now we so we did this this trial with, double click. Uh, you need to go uh, deeper. Yeah, uh, yeah. Fascinating. And and are there any plans for? Uh, I mean, of course you're gonna do, but with with the veggie side as well, or are you immediately stepping to okay, let's do a full meal? No, on on the veggie side, what I would like to do is to. To, to do a trial to see because we I, I spoke of oxidant antioxidant value of the of the pulses and uh, but we don't know if this uh, so it, it give a good uh, a good view of the health of the tomato for instance that uh, are all these antioxidant available for men we don't know uh, I, I started, I remember the, the first uh, human trial I did in uh, 2000. It, I, I was presenting results of trials we uh, we've de did before on milk and eggs and uh, in a, at a congress. And then a physician came and said, Pierre, you, you didn't prove anything. Maybe you have more omega-3 in eggs. But what happened when men eat the egg? Well, will be Maybe the omega-3 will be oxidize maybe they will disappear maybe they will use that energy you have to do a, a, a human trial wow human trial <laughs> but uh, he was true so we have to do it on the vegetal side also if, if not we'll prove a, a better health for the tomato but not for men who eat tomatoes so this will be the future and are you expecting differences also because people are talking about your own microbiome, of course, you're looking at the, the one of the babies, that your ability to absorb, because I can eat a carrot that has 20 times the barocarotene, but if I'm not able to absorb that, is that something you're worried about, interested in, excited, <laughs> or a combination of all? That's, a, that's the reason I want to, to do, uh, at the end of my career, <laughs> I want to do a <laughs> clinical trial with the whole meal, because the the relationship between the animal and vegetal side, the relationship between inflammatory process and antioxidant process are huge. And it's difficult. Science is so... Um, Reductionist. Yes, yeah, yeah. You have very, very good specialists of uh, 
oxidation of the tomato and very good specialist of the inflammatory uh, in the milk but put everything together that's life that's health and uh, to make a relation with the health of the soil and of the animals and the plants that's the real life and if we can check what are the results of changing everything from the soil that's a noble goal no? absolutely <laughs> For men. And, and hopefully we'll be checking in a few times and until then i, I want to be conscious of your time as well and thank you so much for for this update any any final things you you would like to share or should we be checking in soonish when the first results are coming in and of course when you're ready for a whole meal comparison because that's going to be quite a quite a research yeah no it's a good conclusion thank you thank you so thank much you. again for your time and, and good luck with with all the work yeah thank you very much good luck for you too and thank you bye Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. For the show notes and links we discussed in this episode, check out our website, investinginregenerativeagriculture.com forward slash posts. If you like this episode, why not share it with a friend or give us a rating on Apple Podcasts? That really helps. Thanks again and see you next time.